Amen. So I'm on, uh, as Bon, she read it, and I'm at this part, but I want to read this, so I started off. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And this is what I want to talk about. Embracing eternity is embracing Christ. Embracing eternity is embracing Christ. I'm going to read this. You read it with me again. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. The man who has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has, has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever does but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. For God. My first point is, in, eternity is above us and beyond us. It's above us. So in verse 31, he says, John now, the gospel writer, John, the one who comes from above is above all. He's talking about Jesus. Then he's talking about John the Baptist. He's comparing the one who is from the earth belongs to the earth. That's John the Baptist. And speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. That's Jesus Christ. So he's comparing John the Baptist, who's from the earth. He did his job. But Jesus is from heaven. He's from above. How do we embrace eternity when it's above us and beyond us? Don Dearlove, he is the one who got me hooked onto this because now he's 80 and I'm 60 and he's saying we have to embrace eternity because we just don't know when it's going to happen, when we're going to leave. So I said, okay. But then I started wondering, how do I embrace eternity? Like you say some really religious words or nice words, but how do you do that? How do you embrace eternity? And I need, some, I need to do it, but I didn't know how to do it. So I asked God, how do I embrace eternity? <laughs> we embrace eternity by embracing Christ to know him. Now, in John 17, 3, let me keep going. It goes, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now, this is eternal life. What a beautiful definition. This is eternal life. Not something in the sky, something that you can have right now. Right now. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So, embracing eternity is really embracing Christ to know him more. Correct? Amen. Is that a good way to put it? Okay, good. That's the way I thought of it. Now, God has brought to us eternity, correct? Jesus has come down. That's our eternal life. Am I right? But, 
God has also set eternity inside of us. So, Ecclesiastes 3.11, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also what? Set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So here Jesus comes down. We have eternity in us, but listen. This is one thing that I've been really wrestling with. And I really believe this with all my heart. Eternity is really our soul. That is eternity. Eternity is inside of us, and that's what Jesus came for. He came to save our soul. You know, one thing I do want when we finish this thing, you know what I would like us all to do? I have three challenges. I went to a, per, uh, a church this, this morning. I gave the challenge. The whole church came up forward. Everybody. The whole church freaked me out. Now, you're, I'm your pastor. You're my friends. I don't, I don't think I have to do that. What I want to do is I want to have a prayer meeting. And when I'm finished, I want everybody to come here. And I want us to pray. And you'll see why. There's three things I want us to pray. But there's one that I want us to pray. And you can't conjure this up, and neither can I. No matter how much you read your Bible, no matter how much, is this that we would see people, the invisible person, not the visible person. We would see the soul of that person. That God would open our eyes and we would have a burden, as you prayed, for lost souls. Not, not where the preacher puts a guilt trip on you, not where you're manipulated, but where the Holy Spirit gives you a burden for lost souls. Truly, this is what God really wants from the church. Not for you to work it up, because I've worked it up. It doesn't work. But when God puts the burden for souls there, let me tell you, there's a lot of joy in that. Because you start to pray for people. And I mean, not pray for Mary and George. Start praying for Iran. Can you imagine? Can you imagine those people getting on the plane and thinking they're going to wherever, and all of a sudden they get picked off? Can you imagine what it would be like with you on a plane and you're riding on that plane and all of a sudden a missile, boom, and all 8,000 feet, 8,000 feet. I've been on planes. I couldn't imagine what that would be like. I, I have a tough time when we hit, you know, the turbulence? And I go, oh, and my knuckles go all white. And I'm going 8,000 feet and they're going down. And I'm thinking, you know, eternity. Boy, do we ever have to think about this. This is heavy. Eternity inside of us, and Jesus came down. Mind-boggling. C.S. Lewis said, you don't have a soul, you are a soul. And you have a body. See, eternity is inside of us, and I know this is true. You guys can all tell me if this is true. But, and this is true even for a Christian, that the minute that you and I start to be trying to be satisfied with a, a person or with a career or with money or even with my own ministry of trying to preach and build a church, there's no satisfaction. It starts to dwindle. You start to become really, really dry and withered. Can anybody understand what I'm trying to say? The minute that you begin to really focus on Jesus, and there's three things that God told me this week to do. 
Ask to be filled with the Spirit. Seek to be filled with the Spirit. And knock for, on heaven's door to be filled with the Spirit. Just be filled with the Spirit. See, God, what he has done is, he's put a soul inside of us. He's made us for himself. Correct? And we are like a house walking around. Yeah, I like what you said, man. Wait till I finish my message. You're right on target. You're like a house, okay? We're a house, and God, our soul is inside this house. And so God comes down, and the only time we can get really satisfied is God, the eternal Son of God, comes in and fills us, and then makes his home as our body, as a house. A house. So this is true, what you're saying. We don't own anything. God owns everything. He bought us with his blood. There's no such thing as 10%. As there, there's no 10 It's 90%. It's like the way Dennis says it. It's everything. Jesus paid it all, gave it all up, and he expects, here, just give a few pennies. No. When we stand in front of God, he's going to say, it was all mine. I only let you use it for a while. You're a steward. I gave you your house. You're a steward. My house, your house. You're just a steward. How, what are you going to do with it? That will be the answer. Am I correct? That's not a guilt trip. That's the truth. We are stewards. He's the owner. This is my body. I don't even own it. I don't even own my own body. He owns it now. He dwells in it. His spirit. And listen to me very closely. The holy of holies. You know what he did? He ripped the veil, right? Remember he ripped the veil when Jesus died on the cross? The veil was ripped right in two, eh? So we can go right into the Holy of Holies. Am I right? By the blood of Jesus, right? That's what we sang, right? But there is something heaven. God came out of heaven, and he dwells within us, and he makes the Holy of Holies in our soul. So if you say, oh, the Lord's really far from me, it's because you're not turning to him. He's inside of you. He wants to commune with you. He's almost pleading with you, don't go after idols. And you said it right, don't spend your strength on things that will not do anything for you because then you can't seek me. I'm not joking with you. I fasted now. I was fa I'm fasting for TV. I'm not joking. I am my age right now, and I'm not going to say it, but right now where I stand, I am very serious. My wife watches me. No more TV unless it's the news. And I'm just sitting there watching. But the minute that I'm at nighttime, click off in my bed, I read my books. That's it. I'm not joking anymore. I'm spending time with the Lord because that's the most important thing. He gives me strength so I can turn to Him. I got to turn to Him. I can sense it, man. I can sense that everybody in this room has to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled. This is not a game. You can't do it without the Spirit of God. There's a desperation that he puts in our hearts. A desperation. And if there's no desperation, there's a sickness. There's a sickness going on in the spiritual realm. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the only way you deal with that is you get in front of the church. This is not a game. This is the truth. That God says, you have one shot at this, Miles. One shot. And man, I'm, I'm 60 now. Oh no, it's, it's coming down to the wire. Now I'm really getting, you know, ooh, this is heavy. 
So now God says, okay, you got one shot at this, Miles. One shot. You can glorify me. You can glorify me. One shot. This is, and it'll be for all of eternity. Imagine the lady who poured an alabaster jar on Jesus Christ. Just imagine. A year's wages. A year's wages. Would you give a year's wages? I don't think I would. Honest to God. I don't know if I would. He'd have to give me a tremendous, I've given, but not like that. A year's wages, man. Think of it. Call it. You're whole, give me your year's wages. I'm poor, man. Yeah, I know. He pulls his pocket out of it. But imagine, eh? And, and this, is, this is where it gets heavy. From then on, her name throughout all of the gospel was pronounced. She did that for Jesus. She did a beautiful thing unto the Lord, it says. Imagine that. Wouldn't you want to have that happen to you? You did a beautiful thing for Christ. Money doesn't mean anything when it's in eternity. Money is not there. It's only what you've done for Jesus. It doesn't matter. It's all going to go. As soon as, I, as soon as I have the next heart attack, boom, gone. I'm in heaven. You too. Here we go. Just want to make sure my kids are my wife is okay. But here we go. I'm not joking, man. I'm ready. I'm like Don. I'm ready, man. This world is going down fast. And we have Jesus. We have Christ. He's coming again, man. You can feel it. it you can feel it. Can't you feel it? Even the leaders that I talk to, they can feel it, man. It's like the clock is ticking. Tick, 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 tick. He's coming. The king. Read Psalm 72. That's the king of righteousness. Psalm 72. That's the prophecy of Jesus. He'll come. He'll reign. Righteousness through and through. Oh, can you wait? I can't wait. All of us in this room. Eternity will come out of the sky and swallow up time and space. You think I'm just making it up? I'm not. This is not even in my notes. Zechariah chapter. Let me just show you this. I like using the Bible. Don't you like using the Bible? It's a lot of fun, man. It's tons. Listen to this. Here. This is eternity. This is the, it says, in Zechariah 14, the Lord comes and reigns. It says this. Verse 6. On that day there will be no light. There will be no light, no cold or frost. It will be a unique day without daytime or nighttime, a day known to the Lord. When the evening comes, there will be light. Eternity hits. Eternity comes into time and space. No day, no light. What the, what's that all about? You don't know. I don't know. None of us know what that's all about. That's eternity hitting us. It's going to be marvelous, man. I know it's true because I can feel it in my heart. He lives in me. He lives in me. He really lives in me. Oh, he lives in me. I can just feel it. When I feel down, he lives. When I ask him to fill me with the Spirit, he fills me with the Spirit. It's faith. He wants us to be so consumed with the Holy Spirit, it's unbelievable. The church cannot move without the Spirit of God. I'm convinced with it now. I'm convinced that we, we've committed the greatest sin against Almighty God by forgetting the Holy Spirit in our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That's the sin. Don't forget Him. 
Whatever you're going through, fill me with the Spirit. Hey, my car blew up four days ago. My motor went. I just went into the mechanic. I just said, there's a little noise. He checks it. He puts his, it was like a, a doctor. He puts the engine, and I'm looking at it, and he, he goes, yeah. His other brother's talking to, uh, I think it's, uh, he's Coptic Christian, Egypt guy. And he's talking back and forth, and I don't know what they're talking about. And it looks serious. And I'm going, hey, what's happening? And he goes, just hold on, we're just trying to figure this out. It's a little bit more than you think. I said, what is it? What is it? <laughs> and he goes, and then he says, this is what he says. He says, you need a new motor. I said, what? A new motor? You got to be kidding. How much? 2,000 bucks. I just about fell. I went over to, out to the car, eh? <laughs> and I go, this is what I did. I said, Lord, this is not fair. I'm preaching on eternity and you take my motor? That's not fair. Because then he starts to make me wrestle with my message. You get me? He does it on purpose. He did it on purpose. I know it sounds crazy. He did it on purpose. I'm driving along, and you can go and be consumed with your emotions. You can be consumed with your circumstances, or you can be consumed with the Holy Spirit. You have a choice. Nobody says they don't. And man, there was a fight in that car with me. I was going, you, where am I going to get the two grand? I have my checking account, and I have my other account, and I don't have enough. What the? Can you identify with me? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I'm going, what is going to happen? And all of a sudden, I heard God say, trust me. And I just heard him, trust me, and be filled with the Spirit. He's the one who can get you out of it. I just said, Lord, fill me with the Spirit, please, right now. I don't want to be consumed with my emotions. Please help me. Right away, he filled me with the Spirit. And it was like I went into another dimension. It was like God saying, a motor? And I saved your soul? That's what he said to me. A motor? And I saved your soul? And I can't help you? Are you nuts? Anything in this life Amen. that you go through, and he saved your soul. You can do anything. Nothing is impossible with Almighty God. I am convinced if he can save my soul and your soul, he can do anything. We need to have that kind of faith when we pray. Nothing, Lord, nothing. And when we do next Sunday, when you guys, that is where the church began. Three years I've been planning with me and Jesus. Three years you were with me up with my heart attack. We plan this. On Sunday, it starts. You pray, everyone. Julie's going to share. Tasha's going to share. And they're going to share what prayer means to them. And I'm going to challenge people. We're all going to intercede then every day. And then the presence of God comes. The amount of prayer we have in the church will be the amount of the presence of Christ. Amen. Because we have something inside of us that's powerful. And he wants to be unleashed. And the more that you go to your idols, whoever it is, it could be the phone, it could be, I don't care what it is. It could be your emotions. It could be anything. But when you go to it, you spend your strength on that, you have no strength for Christ. God wants us, he wants your best strength. Even at our, our age, he wants that strength. He wants us to serve him with all our hearts. Amen? It's powerful. 
We've got an opportunity like you would believe, all of us in this church, small as we are. Do I despise the day of small things? Nope. God can do something amazing. 100, he can do it. God, now listen to me. Most of you people have Jesus living in you. Most of you, Jesus, it, he, he's, this is your, his house. Your body is his house. Most of you in this place. I'm just assuming. I'm assuming. But there's another problem. And I ain't going to go too far on my message. I know I could hear God. You don't even have to talk to them about heaven or hell. You just talk to them about this. I can hear. I'm starting to really in. I'll pick it up. <laughs> okay, Lord. <laughs> hey, maybe I should go out the cleaner, spiritual cleaner. Hey, let's get it out. Yeah, seriously. But most of us don't take time to hear him. As soon as we hear him, he shows up. Boom. As soon as we heard him today, boom, he showed up. As soon as you just do your own thing, you just, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Have fun. But as soon as you listen to his voice, he shows up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, what is it? Frequency. You get it? No, you don't, because I'm an old guy. Trust me. I understand. There's one problem as believers, and that's this. Yes, Jesus lives in me, but he when he comes into our house, this is for me, he doesn't have all the rooms. He only gets the hallway, maybe the living room, but every other door is locked. That's not funny, because God wants you completely, fully possessed. If there's anything holding back, it's idolatry. Anything. And I like what this guy says. Oswald Smith is starting to be, he's dead so I can talk about him. <laughs> he can't get a big head. Okay, and I don't think he would. But boy, did I ever like his book. Listen to this. Suppose you buy a house. Instead of getting all the keys at once, you get, you get but one or two. You're given access, let's say, to the living room only. Now the home is yours. You own it. It belongs to you and to you alone but you can only enter one room. And so there you live. The other doors are all securely locked. You're in the, you're in the house, but in one room only. You have, by, you have by no means possessed your possessions. So it is with the Holy Spirit. You belong to him, and he's there. He dwells within, but he's only on the threshold of your life. He has not taken complete possession, and all because you will not give him the other keys. Hence, he has to remain, as it were, in the living room. He can get no farther, not because he's not willing, but because you will not let him in. The other rooms are, of your heart are all closed against him. He has never possessed you. You are not filled with him completely. Now, there comes a day when you are given all the keys. And at last, you're able to enter all the rooms. For the first time, you are really in control. Every room is open to you, and you go where you like. You can arrange the furniture to suit your taste. You begin by house cleaning, and oh, how the dust flies. For a while, there is plenty of commotion and real disturbance, but finally, every room is clean, and your, and your house is made fit to live in. You are now complete. You are now in complete possession. So it is with the Holy Spirit. 
There comes a day in your life when you give him all the keys and ask him to enter every room. It may be at some great spiritual convention through the reading of a book or as the result of a sudden tragedy that drives you to God. Be that as it may, the crisis takes place and you yield. One by one, he unlocks the doors, examines each room, and begins at once to set things right. Everything displeasing goes. Only what he approves is left. left. Sins that you could not overcome are now conquered, for he is in command. Thus, he fills the house completely. He possesses it. He is the owner. I'm finished. I know God's telling me this. I'm just going to say this. I am not the Holy Spirit, but I know when the Holy Spirit convicts. And if there is anything in your life where the door is shut from the Holy Spirit, whatever it may be, let me give you an example. When the Lord said to me, how many times have you made the vow you're not going to watch cop shows? I said about maybe eight. He said, it's enough. I don't want that no more. We'll partner. You let me come in. You let me take over. And I'll have the, you'll have the power to move away from that. So I fasted. I'm not saying you have to fast. I'm not saying you have to do that. But there is always something in your life where the door is locked. And God is saying, let the door open. Let me come in. And isn't it amazing in Revelation chapter 3, 19 and 20, he's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to the last, I believe, the last days of this church. I believe we're in that Laodicea church in North America right now. I believe we're here, right here. There's your boss. I met your boss. I'm going to start praying with your boss. I went and talked to him. I know that guy. He knows me, Rupin. Nice guy, man. You know what he said to me? Look me straight in the eye. I've seen miracles, he said, in the Middle East. I've seen visions. I've seen all kinds of things. He was not one of these Holy Spirit charismatic guys. This guy's solid, I can tell. And he says, I've seen it all, Miles. And he goes, but you know what North America needs? They don't need to know about a Savior. They need the presence of the Savior. Boy, is he ever right. We need, we need people to get on their knees that God would manifest like he did at our worship time now. But it just carries right through. We need everybody to get on board and start to really let her fly. The presence of the Lord is what we need now. If you don't go with me, Lord, don't send me. Would you say that? And is it, is it ever funny? In the book of Revelation 3, 19, 20, he says, so be earnest and be repent. Huh, a ch- to the church? Be earnest, repent. Yes, do it. And then he says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. I don't care. He's an elder, right? I'm knocking. Let me in. I'm knocking. Let me in. I'm not telling you what it is. I don't know. The Holy Spirit knows. But there is areas in our life that God, this far, Lord, this far, no farther. Are you hearing me? This far, Lord, and no farther. I don't care. I'm so hurt, I don't care. I'll be the boss. And God says, you're the boss. You're the boss. Oh, Oh, you're the boss. 
you're going to find out who's the boss. He's the Lord. We stand in front of him and give an account. Nobody misses that. And if you let him come in, and here is what I said to the people that got them up today. Oh, I couldn't believe it. It came from the Lord. I said, there's some people here that can't do it. And I've seen them go like that. And I go, but do you want to do it? Is your heart saying, I want to do it, but I can't do it? I said, then come on up, and God will do it for you. He'll do it through you. Come up. Be filled. Oh, please, God, up there. And we all prayed to be filled with the Spirit. I'm saying the same thing, but not to come up here. Come here. And I want to wait in the presence of the Lord. And I want you, I'm not going to manipulate you. I want you to ask Jesus, what are you, what am I blocking? What am I blocking, Lord? Seriously. And say, Lord, come in and take. I can't do it, Lord. I can't do it. But would you do that for me, Lord? Would you come in and take over for me, Lord? So that you can have all of me, Lord? And you know what? I'm not going to say any more words now. I just want you to come and sit here. Sit in his presence and ask him, what is blocking you, Lord? And then if he's not, he says nothing to you, walk away. He's the Lord. But if he says something to you, obey Jesus. If he's your Lord. Is that fair? Is that fair? Come here. Please. So we all like a family. All of us. Seriously. Let's see what happens. And as soon as I see that uh, there's no, when nobody's doing anything, nobody's praying or anything, I'll just get up and we'll close the service. Simple as that. Okay, this is what we